Do you know that certain peptides can benefit those with Graves' disease and Hashimoto's? If you want to learn more about how peptides can help with thyroid autoimmunity and other chronic conditions, then you'll want to check out the brand new Peptide Summit hosted by Dr. Jenny Flagar. In fact, peptides play a huge role in helping Dr. Jenny overcome her Hashimoto's condition. To register for the free Peptide Summit, visit saymythyroid.com forward slash peptides. Hey, this is Dr. Eric. And in this Q&A episode, I am going to answer the question, what are thyroid-stimulating immunoglobulins? So the last two Q&A episodes focused on TPO and thyroid globulin antibodies. And since there are three main types of antibodies, I figured that I'd complete the trilogy in this episode by focusing on thyroid-stimulating immunoglobulins, or TSI. So I am going to refer to a blog post I wrote September 24th, 2020, and the title is What You Need to Know About Thyroid-Stimulating Immunoglobulins. And of course, I'll make sure to include the link to this blog post in the show notes, which you can check out by visiting SaveMyThyroid.com. And so in this blog post that I'm looking at right now, I talk about what are thyroid-stimulating immunoglobulins, or TSI. From this point forward, I'll just refer to these antibodies as TSI, and how do they differ from other types of thyroid antibodies. So TSI, they're a type of TSH receptor antibody, or TRAB, and there are actually two types of TSH receptor antibodies. So in addition to TSI, there are also thyroid-binding inhibitory immunoglobulins, which is a type of TSH receptor-blocking antibody, And so these antibodies bind to the TSH receptor and inhibit the binding of TSH, thus blocking the synthesis and secretion of thyroid hormones, and not commonly tested. So I want to talk about the main types of thyroid antibodies. These usually aren't included, but that being said, people can have them, but also not all labs test for them. They're not as common as the other three, the TPO, the thyroglobulin, and the TSI. So getting back to TSI, Elevated TSI levels are associated with Graves' disease, and what happens is that the TSI, it binds to or stimulates the TSH receptors, and this causes the excessive production of thyroid hormone, and this is why most people with Graves' disease have hyperthyroidism, although I also mentioned in the blog post that some people have subclinical Graves' disease, which is when they have elevated TSI, the TSH, which is thyroid-stimulating hormone, is depressed, but the thyroid hormone levels are within the lab reference range. So again, that's known as subclinical Graves' disease, but most of the time people with Graves' disease have overt hyperthyroidism where the T4 and T3 are elevated. And then I talk about the causes. I asked the question, what causes elevated thyroid-stimulating immunoglobulins? And so elevated TSI levels, just as the case with elevated TPO and elevated anti-thyroglobulin antibodies, They relate to what's called a triad of autoimmunity, where you need three components in order for autoimmunity to be present. And those three components are a genetic predisposition, exposure to one or more environmental triggers, as well as an increase in intestinal permeability, which is the medical term for a leaky gut. So there are genetics involved, but being exposed to one or more triggers in the presence of a leaky gut, those are even greater factors. And then I go on to talk about the lab reference range and how different labs use different units of measurement, so you can't really compare them with each other. So for example, as of recording this, the LabCorp reference range 
is 0 to 0.55 IUs per liter, where I think this is still the case. Again, this blog post is from 2020, and I mentioned that the reference range for Quest Diagnostics is less than 140%, like for someone to be negative. For a TSI, you want them to be less than 140%, so there's a percentage. I know even if Quest has changed, there are other labs that still use that percentage. And then also I mentioned that TSH receptor antibody. So again, there's TSI, which is what most doctors will test for, including myself. But some doctors will test the TRAB or TSH receptor antibody. And I mentioned how LabCorp has a reference range of 0 to 1.75 IUs per liter, while Quest Diagnostics, again, as of writing the blog post, had a range of less than 2 IUs per liter. So those are pretty close together. I mentioned, if at all possible, I recommend getting the thyroid-stimulating immunoglobulins tested, although, again, it's fine to get both the TSI and TRAV tested, which some doctors do. I can't say I do that. Typically, one will correlate with the other, although if they don't correlate, it could be because someone has those inhibitory antibodies. So if someone has, like, they do TSI and TRAV, and let's say TSI is negative and TRAV is positive, so, again, they might have those inhibitory antibodies, and that's why the TRAV is positive, even though TSI is lower. Or again, if we see like TSI and TRAV both elevated to begin with, and then TSI gradually decreases, but TRAV remains elevated, it could be because they have both the stimulating immunoglobulins and inhibitory immunoglobulins. And then I talk about some reading this might wonder what the optimal reference range for these markers and whether the goal should be to have a level of zero. I mean, my goal is to have them as low as possible. So when dealing with the lab core range, like zero to 0.55, I mean, zero would be awesome, but honestly, most people don't reach zero. So if someone's like 0.3, that's really good. You know, if someone's at 0.54, well, it's within the range, but kind of on the higher end. And then when using a percentage, typically the person won't get to zero. And a lot of this is also because a lot of labs won't go that low. Like it'll just, once it reaches a certain level, it'll say less than whatever the value is. So I might say less than 80. And so the person might be 79 or they might be seven. And either way, it would say less than 80. So again, obviously we want the antibodies to be as low as possible, which comes down to finding, removing triggers, correcting underlying imbalances. And that's why ideally you want to work with someone who addresses the cost of the problem, because if you go to an endocrinologist, which again, I'm not saying not to see an endocrinologist. A lot of my patients see endocrinologists. I saw an endocrinologist, even though it was only for a single visit. But when I dealt with Graves, I did see an endocrinologist just to get diagnosed. And I received an ultrasound. In my case, I didn't take the medication, but a lot of people need to take the medication. So so again, there's a time and place for endocrinologists. But most of them aren't going to do anything to lower the TSI, and a lot of them won't even retest the TSI just because they're not focusing on the TSI. So I see both cases where there are endocrinologists that will test TSI regularly, and then there are others who either won't test it or might be willing to test it once a year. And then I briefly discussed the relationship between thyroid-stimulating immunoglobulins and thyroid eye disease because the TSI level usually indicates a more vigorous immune system response. Typically, the higher the TSI, the more likely someone is to have thyroid eye disease. It doesn't mean they will develop 
thyroid eye disease. And it's also important to, to like talk a little bit more about this because with TPO antibodies and thyroglobulin antibodies, the higher they are doesn't always mean the more vigorous immune response. And some might disagree when it comes to the graves, but this is what I see. I see higher TSI, typically more likely to develop thyroid eye disease. And then also usually higher TSI, more likely to have higher thyroid hormone levels, but that's not always the case. So we can't, I can't always make that connection. But, and that's also the same with thyroid eye disease. Most of the time, if someone has thyroid eye disease, their TSI levels are really high, but I can't say that's true 100% of the time. And then if someone has thyroid eye disease and TSI is not too high, usually it will be on the mild side. So yeah, that's at least what I've witnessed over the many years of working with people with Graves' disease. And then finally, I wrap up by discussing how can you decrease thyroid stimulating immunoglobulins. So the approach, of course, is similar to lowering other autoantibodies such as TPO antibodies and antithyroglobulin antibodies. So you want to find or remove your triggers. You want to do things to heal the gut since that leaky gut is part of that triad of autoimmunity, correct other underlying imbalances. So an example would be nutrient deficiencies. And I mentioned like selenium, if someone has a selenium deficiency, then that could be a factor. And how research shows that selenium can potentially lower both TSH receptor antibodies as well as TPO antibodies, but you won't usually need to do more than just take selenium. And then also mention break the chronic inflammatory cycle, while we're moving the triggers and healing the gut, we usually resolve the inflammation. This isn't always the case. And sometimes additional measures need to be taken, such as taking vitamin D, taking higher doses of EPA and DHA, sometimes even take things like curcumin, resveratrol. I even mentioned low-dose naltrexone, LDN, in some cases, but most of the time I'm going to go with the natural methods, the nutrients, the herbs. So that is my response to the question, what are thyroid-stimulating immunoglobulins? I hope you found this Q&A episode to be valuable. Definitely check out the blog post if you want more information on TSI, although honestly, I covered just about everything that was in the blog post. But again, if you want to read the information, definitely do so. Anyway, again, I hope you found this episode to be super valuable. And as usual, I look forward to catching you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Save My Thyroid podcast. If you haven't done so already, make sure you hit subscribe to stay up to date on the latest thyroid health-related topics. And to get your free thyroid and immune health restoration action points checklist, visit SaveMyThyroidChecklist.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. I want to let you know about a product called Hepatomune Supreme, which is a unique supplement that has a rare combination of N-acetylcysteine, also known as NAC, milk thistle, and schisandra to support the liver. And it also has a few mushrooms that can help support the immune system, including cordyceps, which has both immune modulating and adaptogenic properties and is great for those with Graves' disease and Hashimoto's. To learn more about Hepatomune Supreme, visit SaveMyThyroid.com forward slash liver support.